This episode is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a bit different than most summers. We're staying at home for the most part, and we're finding ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players, ages 10 and up, although younger kids can play with adult guidance. It is a great way to keep families engaged in off screens, even if it's just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. And it's really easy to pick up. Get Catan at CatanShop.com slash mom. Listeners of our podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. And welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we're asking the question, how long should you wait to have sex? Not in terms of your first sexual experience, but in terms of uh, meeting someone. You know, if you, this is a very common question, I think, especially in heterosexual dating yeah. relationships. There's a question of how long do you wait? How many dates do you wait for? Or how many minutes post handshake <laughs> do you wait? Uh, because apparently we are very concerned that if you don't wait long enough, you will be doomed to be single for the rest of your life. And be called names. Yes, mean names that we don't like to Yeah, all the answers to these questions are pretty loaded, depending on, (laughs) depending on where people are coming from who are answering it. Yeah, and, uh, the reason why we wanted to talk about this, and we'll get more in depth into this study, but there was, uh, some research that came out of Cornell University, uh, in August 2012 that was published in the Journal of Marriage and Family that said, and well, this was the headline, at least. Uh, because this was widely circulated, not so surprisingly, because the Internet loves scientific studies about sex. And it said that the optimum number of days to wait was 182. And then, you know, I, when Kristen emailed me that, I responded, isn't that like half of a year? Yeah. Which, so you, I mean, you probably know then where I'm coming from on this, if I responded so <laughs> vehemently. So um, even though we we don't talk uh, in the in magazine parlance too often in the podcast, uh, I feel like this is one of those opportunities when we do want to consult lady and gentleman mags mm-hmm. because this is something that comes up so often in magazines like Marie Claire and Cosmo and Esquire. So to kick things off. There was a survey that was commissioned by jointly by Esquire and Marie Claire to find out the differences between how long dudes and girls, women, men, heterosexual, wait to have sex. Right. Uh, it turns out that the average number of dates before having sex is three for men versus five for women. So what's happening there? Does, does the guy go out on the third date? <laughs> And like he 
leaves the date and hooks up with someone and then goes home, whereas the woman is wait like goes home and waits for two more dates. It's funny how these numbers never match up. Well, yeah, but the whole same thing. It's like a flip flop though with waiting until marriage, because fourteen percent of men uh, wait for marriage to have sex versus nine percent of women. Yeah, and or at least like men who read Esquire. Well, yes, and take surveys, or men who read Marie Claire. And here is a big no-brainer: men, according to the survey, are more likely to be satisfied after a one-night stand. That's probably because statistically, men are more likely to reach orgasm after one-night stands. There's there aren't all those societal hang-ups about uh, one-night stands and sexual stigmas. Uh, and while men were three times as likely to be satisfied. Women were twice as likely to feel regret or shame after a one-night stand. And I have a feeling that it might have something to do with this constant pondering of how long should you wait. Yeah, and what it says about you if you wait a certain amount of time. Right, because, you know, there's the whole thing about the little ice cream truck giving away its samples. Cow's milk, etc. So, uh, let's get into some research. Yeah. Beyond just magazine surveys. There was a BYU study that came out in 2010 that got a lot of coverage as well. Yeah, because they basically said, you're not going to be happy unless you wait, wait for marriage. Um, they, they said that if sex happens too early, it quote, overwhelms good decision making and keeps couples in a relationship that might not be the best for them in the long run. So they looked at more than 2000 people in their first marriages. Average age was about 36 and they categorized these people as having early sex in the relationship, late sex. So waiting a while or having no sex until marriage. And just, you know, I know this is a BYU study, but they did have a wide range of religious affiliations that they were looking at with these people. They found out in this study, this, you know, a lot of self-reporting and whatnot, but they found out that the relationships fared better the longer people waited with those sleeping together before a month showing the worst outcomes. And those who waited until marriage reporting better relationship stability and satisfaction and better sexual quality and communication. What do you think about that? Well, I think there are some some good points in there, such as uh, giving a relationship some time mm-hmm. to develop trust with people, especially if you're uh, the sample population or, or exclusively married couples. Mm-hmm. So probably when they were looking back, these people might have been more relationship minded to mm-hmm. begin with. And they probably wanted to develop some emotional rapport before jumping into the sack. Um, but it's still there's still this issue of correlation versus causation that I've, I feel like a lot of the research on delaying sex seems to just skip over. For instance, this was something pointed out in The Economist when they were reporting on this study. Uh, they said that researchers don't know why people who waited have better relationship. Maybe it's the sexual delay. Maybe it's the sort of people who want to wait are somehow better at relationship building. Maybe they have like higher emotional intelligence than people who, you know, just wait a few minutes until after a handshake. <laughs> Um, and also, I mean, I, I feel like this is telling, too. Uh, Live Science reported on the study as well, and they were interviewing one of the lead researchers, and he talked about how uh, almost 40% of the couples 
are essentially sexual. I don't know what essentially sexual means, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let listeners just fill in those blanks. They said, uh, 40% were essentially sexual within the first or second time they went out. But, and quote, we suspect that if you ask these same couples at this early stage of their relationship, do you trust this person to watch your pet for a weekend? Many could not answer this in the affirmative, meaning that they are more comfortable letting people into their bodies than they are with them watching their cat. This episode is brought to you by Quip. When's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new Smart Electric Toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. The Quip Smart Brush for adults and kids connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth, so you can track when you're brushing, get tips, you can earn points, and you can redeem those points for rewards. Already have a Quip? Upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. And beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. Equal-friendly solar battery charger to power your equip with sunshine and the refresh bag to bring you good oral care habits everywhere you go. Plus, you can get brush head, toothpaste, and floss refills delivered from $5. And shipping is free. How smart is that? Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash stuffmom right now to get your first refill free. That is your first refill free at getquip.com slash stuffmom. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash stuffmom. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And while we're under a quarantine, I will say HelloFresh has so many recipes. It's been wonderful because it gets me out of my rut and I'm able to try new recipes instead of my same old, same old. And they offer contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family so you don't have to have those stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Even better, HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. So if you're ready to try some of the delicious food from HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off and free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. Okay. I take issue with this quote because, to me, this points out a potential methodological flaw in this study because clearly, uh, and here I am making assumptions, that the psychologist was making assumptions about how people should architect their relationships. Yeah. No, I, I totally see where you're coming from. That quote through me also. And, you know, cats, you don't ever have anybody come over to watch cats for yeah. you anyway. Yeah. And also, it's not a question on the first or second date whether or not someone, you trust someone to come over and watch your pets. It's more things like, do you trust someone to sexually disclose that they have an STD or something like that? Or do you trust a person to wear a condom if you ask them to? These are the kinds of questions. Why are we talking about pets? <laughs> Who cares about pets? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even have pets. I have plants. 
that I, re- I really should water more. Um, but so moving on to a different study, Kristen referenced this Cornell University study back all the way in August of this year that said, OK, well, yeah, sure, maybe wait a little. But the issue is more about cohabitation, which I thought was interesting. They reviewed data from 600 married and cohabitating couples and found that rapid sexual involvement, which sounds exciting, but it just, you know, getting getting sexually involved quickly. Uh, along with cohabitation, affects the long-term relationship quality. And they found that couples who do move rapidly into sexual relationships, more than a third of them reported having sex within one month of starting the relationship. So this is sort of, this is their, their audience, this is who they're looking at. They found that women and men definitely had a different view of what it means to get involved sexually with someone quickly. Yeah, with this sample population, uh, women tended to view an early entry into sexual relationships as being negatively associated with marital quality. Um, and the researchers also thought from this that perhaps women see early sexual activity as having a greater symbolic value as to the, the relationship commitment. You start doing it. This means you're for realsies in a bigger way. Whereas for the men, the speed of entry into the sexual relationship was completely unrelated to their perception of overall relationship and marital quality. Right. And again, I think that that might have something to do with this constant question of this timeline that we are supposed to follow, although no one knows what the timeline is. Um, But I think it's worth talking about this Cornell study because there are all these nuances within it in terms of how these couples all had children together. They were all living together. The bottom line of the relationship highlighted living together more so than jumping into bed together, right. uh, you know, in the first month. But the headlines and the reporting that came out on it all said, Hey, everybody, just wait 182 days. Women, you will hate yourselves if you don't wait 182 days to sleep with him, and he's going to not want to stick around. Yeah, you better put that sex calendar up on your wall and check off exactly 182 days. Maybe we should start, you know, selling 182-day sex calendars. Yeah, and then have a ribbon that you can cut. Oh. At the end of it. And confetti? Yeah, or maybe it'll look like a... A thong string. But I, I like I like this discussion that the study is having about cohabitation because they say that uh, it's cohabitation that drives the association between relationship quality and relationship tempo. They did point to early sexual activity as being linked to subsequent cohabitation and less satisfying marriages. Kind of the idea that if you have sex really fast... And maybe in in because they said that in a woman's mind that's sort of an indicator of relationship uh, commitment and all this stuff. So if you have sex early on, you feel like you have this foundation of commitment, and then well, well let's just move in together. Well, wait a second though, back up because also we got to remember the childcare aspect of this. Indeed, maybe this was something that Amanda Hess pointed out over on Slate. Maybe this should have been more of an examination into birth control practices because perhaps the reason why they're moving in together is because uh, they were practicing sex in some way that would have allowed a pregnancy to happen, and now there's a baby, and so 
Now they have to move in together. Yeah. Yeah, so they're looking at how this early cohabitation, you know, people start feeling trapped and then they're not as satisfied in their either relationship or their marriage that happens later. So there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and I will say there was an inter- interview with Sharon Sassler, who was the lead author of this study, which was called The Tempo of Sexual Activity and Later Relationship Quality, which I like to call out just because I like the idea of the tempo of sexual activity, like there's a metronome. Yeah. She brought up a good point, though, in an interview about this research saying that um, they wanted to look into whether, quote, sexual dependencies had replaced emotional compatibility. And I think that that's, that's a good way to to maybe think about this whole waiting game that so often comes up. It's not so much a timeline thing, perhaps, but thinking about sexual dependency versus emotional compatibility. But more on that later, because... <laughs> At long last, in August of 2010, actually before, (laughs) obviously, this Cornell study came out, uh, University of Iowa study found that, guess what? Early sex does not doom relationships. Hey! Hey! (laughs) Again, ticker tape falling down. Um, Yeah, they found that while relationship quality might be higher for people who waited until things were serious rather than those people who hooked up, the sex itself, they say, is not to blame for the disparity. And this goes back to something that Kristen touched on earlier about maybe it's just your personality type. Like, if people who just are not wanting a relationship or maybe are not good at serious relationships, maybe these are the people who are hooking up so if you get somebody together, to get two people together, one who's just in for the hookup and one who actually is pursuing a serious relationship, well, that's doomed to fail, no matter when those two people have sex. So it's it's they're saying it's more maybe just about your personal drive, when you want to have sex, whether you want a relationship. So sociologist Anthony Pike, who uh, was the researcher with that University of Iowa study said, okay, so our findings indicate that it's not so much this sex issue that we are constantly getting hung up on, uh, but more something to do with people and the actual relationships between people. So he suggested that what was affecting relationship quality, at least according to their data, uh, was that unmarried couples and those with children had lower relationship quality and couples with positive ties to each other's relatives had higher relationship quality. But again, I mean, there's so many correlation causation issues still even in that because when you boil it down to individual relationships, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you can slice it and dice it so many different yeah. ways. I mean, I'm sure the couples with children are just very tired. <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's a, their parents listening right now, shaking their <laughs> fists at their iPod. But it was still refreshing to see some, uh, I don't know, empirical acknowledgement that, hey, maybe we should think not so much about length of time, but rather what people, not just guys, because mm-hmm. let's not, let's not do men a disservice and say every straight guy just wants to have sex with anyone at any point. 
and does not care about waiting at all. I think mm-hmm. that that's uh, reductionist as much as it is that, that every woman wants to play the game according to the book, The Rules, and wait like eight years or something. <laughs> Uh, because we're terrified and insecure and, and scared that uh, if we have sex, then no one's really going to like us at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, too, this whole uh, the, the fear of I mean, because also let me just say this. If you want to wait to have sex or just not have sex at all, that's completely fine. The problem is co- constantly putting the onus, particularly on women, and this does focus particularly on heterosexual women. There were no studies that we found looking into any gay populations whatsoever. Um, and always it was this fear of too soon sex relationships reminding me of uh, how, especially for women, it's that whole fear of, say, having too many sexual partners. Like, does my body look okay? It's all of these, all of these hangups that are, I feel like I keep saying hangups. Um, but it, there's so much wrapped up in this question. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What, what you're worried that society will think about you, what the man will think about you. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I feel pressured to have sex because, you know, he's a man. He wants me to have sex with him. But then the whole like, well, but then if I do have sex with him, he won't actually like me. Well, and then on the opposite sides, on either side of that spectrum, you have, well, hey, what if I would like to have sex and I just want to have sex? OK, then you are deemed a, a loose woman. Uh, and then. If you don't want to have sex at all and you are a virgin and you're an adult virgin, then there are all the the things that come with that, too, of people, you know, the uh, people saying that maybe you're too prudish. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, maybe it is 182 days. I don't know <laughs> if there if there, it would be simpler if there was some kind of magic number. And no, I'm not saying 182 days is it. But for some people, it might be. I mean, I think that's the moral of the story is. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I I personally think with my personal relationships that waiting a little bit and you know what? Again, I don't know what that time frame is, but waiting a little bit to the point where you feel like you're comfortable with the person. And this is I'm talking about relationship stuff, relationshipiness, not like just hooking up or whatever. Like that's a totally different game I'm talking about. Like I'm talking about like when I feel like I've met someone that I really want to have a relationship with, I think it's better to wait however long you feel is appropriate to learn about the person, trust the person, whether it's to watch your cats or not. Um, just feel like, okay, well, yeah, I want to, you know, I, I feel like I know this person and have a foundation because in my experience, you know, dumb things can happen when you build a relationship just on the sex foundation and not on the knowing the person foundation. Right. Because uh, like Sasser was talking about that sexual dependency versus emotional compatibility. And you know what? I'm going to uh, I'm going to theorize without any like data in front of my face to back this up. I would say that finding the emotional compatibility is much harder to find than some kind of sexual compatibility or sexual dependency. So if you are relationship minded, then, yeah, you don't want to confuse the two and you don't want to set yourself up with unrealistic expectations. But it also is not helping us that the magazines that a lot of women are reading and that is dispensed on the Internet to younger, single, 
straight people is just keeping us in this tailspin. Yeah, and it's framing it in as sort of a respect, a self-respect, a will he respect you kind of issue. Yeah, and it's all about, and the onus, again, it is all on the woman. Yeah, so this is from Cosmo, as everybody knows, my favorite magazine. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Cosmo talked to relationship expert Ryan C. Browning. I don't know what that means. Um, but the the decision here was you should wait. Because, quote, once you give up the goods, you lose the upper hand in the dating power dynamics. So if you have sex too soon, he's not under your spell anymore. This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes, and right now that is more important than ever, especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart. And everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a, a lovely conversation. Um, it was really fun. Yeah. And I'm with the disposable products. I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers and traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and clean up easy. Chinet products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. Got to tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number two plays it sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out. Which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So, here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends. Oh, man. Well, that's too bad because you know what I want is a relationship that is based completely on power power plays. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Browning also goes on to say that, you know what, Uh, sex also creates a false sense of intimacy. So you crave commitment. You dumb women. (laughs) Yeah, but that's also, hey, you know what, let's not strip away intimacy from sex either. That's another form of moralizing, saying that there is nothing good that can come from a sexual relationship as well. Um, and Browning also wants you to say no because men loves a challenge. Mm-hmm. And if you do, the sex will be better and you'll trust your feelings more because early sex can make you overlook red flags. Now, yes, does all of that oxytocin release in your brain promote feelings of bonding with someone who maybe if you haven't known them that long, like maybe you are building bridges to nowhere? Sure, that can happen. But it's uh, 
Also, let's let's keep in mind self-awareness that can happen. But moving on from Cosmo, let's go to Marie Claire. How are things over there? <laughs> well, this this fantastic sex in the single guy column also tells people to wait. But he he frames it in more of like a guys need to stop pressuring girls into sex kind of thing. Yeah, women it was it was like women stop spoiling men <laughs> with sex when they yeah, want it. It really was because we should train them like dogs. Yeah, because he was saying, okay, so why why are these guys pressuring girls into having sex early on in the relationship? And he cites things like their upbringing. Maybe they never learned to treat women with respect. Side note, to pick on my roommate, my roommate, who is a dude, does think it's important to wait if he's getting into a relationship. And he cited his deeply ingrained respect for women that he learned from his mama. That's nice. So, But yeah, so anyway, moving on. Okay, so he also talks about, like, you know, other women, being spoiled by other women, like Kristen said, like possibly the dude who's pressuring you to have sex has been, quote unquote, rewarded by other women giving in to his pressure. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, and I, I'm not going to say that those kinds of uh, cultural influences in certain circles don't exist. But also, here's something, Sex and the Single Guy column writer Marie Claire, like, maybe he doesn't want a relationship. Yeah. It could be as simple as that. Also as simple for a female who does not want a relationship. Or I should say woman. Sometimes people get annoyed when I say female instead of woman. And now heading over to the New Yorker of the online XY sites, askmen.com. Uh, they break it down like this. Basically, uh, they offer a handy guide mm-hmm. for guys out there who want to determine whether or not women are worth keeping around based on how long she waits right. to um, to have sexual intercourse. And guess what? Okay, listen up, gals and guys. If she waits six months, about that 182 days, mm-hmm. uh, Ask Men says, you'll think it's amazing because you're desperate. She's a keeper because she's rational and doesn't jump into things. Do we do we even need to follow that up with a witty quip? I don't think so. But let's just jump down to a first night fling. Questions to ask yourself, men. Does she do this all the time? Or is it that women are becoming more aggressive? I want to break the ballpoint <laughs> pen that I'm holding in my hand. Again, let me reiterate to everyone out there. Wait as long as you want to have sex. Don't have sex at all. Have sex the first time you meet someone safely. Uh, but, wow, that kind of advice, it's doing a disservice to all of us. Yeah. Because it's creating false, con- continually creating false expectations and ignoring um, any like kind of healthy relationship psychology. But since we've been, uh, you know, kind of giving these magazines a hard time, I will say Glamour.com offered a a decently nuanced perspective on the question. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was in their Smitten blog uh, from 2008. And and the the writer talks about how uh, in the past I've usually been the super slow girl. In college, I waited four months with my sophomore year boyfriend and then two months with my senior year boyfriend. And then she says, by the time I met my current boyfriend, I was 28 and... Here's the part where I was like, hey, all right, here we go. I was 28 and more confident, comfortable, and head over heels for him. We slept together on the third date. 
All right. But that, I think that point where she's talking about, she was more confident and comfortable. She knew herself. Yeah. She knew what she wanted. And the time that she waited, whether it was the third date or the fourth month, the, the 182nd day, mm-hmm. it would not probably matter because she knew herself well enough to to throw all of this ridiculous advice out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what we're saying. Like, whatever feels appropriate for you and the person that you're with. I mean, you know yourself. Are you, do you want to get to know this person? Do you feel already comfortable with this person? Does it not matter? You know, yeah. like you are, an, you are a woman. You're a grown up. You can make this choice for yourself. And you're a man too. Again, it's like, I, I, I think it's, I think it's wrong to, uh, to assume that, that guys are just light years, you know, away from where we stand on this issue. And also too, hey, guess what? If you meet somebody and they're pressuring you and not respecting things like consent and sexual safety and all of that, get out. Yeah. Just get out and leave. Find somebody better. Okay. I think, uh, I think we've answered this question. How long should you wait to have sex, Caroline? As long as you feel is appropriate for you and your partner. Yeah. There you go. And don't let society shame you otherwise for waiting too long, for not waiting long enough. I'm going to say arbitrary question. As long as you got yourself in check, your relationship in check, and safety in check. There we go. I'm not going to judge you. Caroline, are you going to judge them? No. Good. Don't. No. It's no judgment zone here. Yeah. Stuff in, I've never told in you. In this tiny closet size studio. <laughs> yes. So uh, I am very curious to hear what people have to say about this. And again, also uh, from not heterosexual listeners out there, too. Like, why? I mean, is this just something that that straight people are totally hung up on that is, like, not so much of an issue in gay communities or have... Researchers just once again overlooked entire populations of sexually active people. Very curious to hear people's thoughts on this. On waiting, let us know what you think. Are we being too laissez-faire about the whole thing? Um, let us know all of your thoughts. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send them. And, of course, you can head over to our Facebook page and leave a comment there or tweet us at Podcast. But before we jump into listener mail, we have a quick word on behalf of our friends at Netflix who help make this podcast possible. So, you know, today we talked about this whole issue of how long should you wait? Should you wait? Does it matter? What difference does it make? How do you feel? Who have you slept with? Yeah. What, what, what's your deal? Well, so I think... To help you put your issues in perspective, you can head over to Netflix.com because they were so kind to bring us today's episode of Sminty and try watching Chasing Amy, which shows what can happen when you might get a little judgy with someone's sexual past. But you're in luck because not only should you head over to Netflix.com, but as a new member and a Sminty listener, you can get a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to Netflix.com slash mom, which is our very special URL, and sign up. And be sure to use that URL so that they know that Kristen and I sent you over there. The 30-day free trial won't be around forever, though, so you need to head over to Netflix.com slash mom as soon as possible to sign up today. And, of course, these movie titles 
are subject to availability, so check out their selection when you get over there. Now back to listener mail. We have a couple of letters here on our episode about why are breasts different sizes, particularly like in like individual breasts on our body, one bigger than the other or smaller than the other, however you, however you want to look at it. So I've got an email here from Adam, who I'm going to go ahead and say is one of our superstar listeners because he is traveling around the world and listens to our podcast, sent us some woolen hats that are colorful and very warm on our heads. And um, he checks in with us from time to time. And he checked in with us about this podcast. And he said, I listened to your podcast on a day when I found a guanabana soursop. Guanabana is a type of fruit. It's shaped like a heart. My left breast is bigger than my right, and it has been ever since puberty. Others say it's not very noticeable, but when I see myself in the mirror in a picture, it seems like a colossal imperfection to me. Over the years, I've gotten more and more comfortable with my body. The heart-shaped fruit I mentioned above is interesting because it raises the question of whether imperfections sometimes cover up our superpower. In my case, a big heart. Thanks for the great podcast, as always. And thank you, Adam, and safe travels to you. And this here email is from Nicole. She said, I'm 24 years old and grew up as you did in a world without the internet and clever podcasts that spilled the beans on all those apparently untouchable topics of girlhood. I wish I had heard the term hypertrophy before 20 minutes ago. Alas, when I hit grade 8 and my right breast practically exploded overnight, it was not a good scene. For about a year, my family kept it under wraps, literally for a span. But when I stayed an age-appropriate A on my left and then ballooned to a B, then C, and eventually a double D on my right, we made some formal inquiries. Early into grade 9, I was granted an insurance-covered single-sided breast reduction because my spine was actually being pulled out of line from the imbalance, causing a load of back problems. I don't remember what story I told my friends, but it wasn't the truth for a long time. Before the surgery, however, we found a miracle Band-Aid fix. I called them outplants. You briefly mentioned these special inserts in your podcast, but I thought I would take a few minutes to tell you about these suckers firsthand. There are two main kinds. The first is the soft, skin-like, nippleless, silicone breast piece, weighted and textured like a real boob. This one is for daily use and slips discreetly into a specialty bra. Et voila! A nice, even rack. But there is no, but there is a no water clause, and so the second outplant becomes important. A much firmer, much more rubbery triangle of treated silicone for swimming. It looked and felt less natural, so it was tempting to cheat and use the other one, but maybe the technology on boobs has developed in the last 10 years? They were a godsend to my awkward and sadly ashamed younger self, and I know that similar products are used daily now by women who have undergone breast surgery for a different reason, namely mastectomy. So there you have it, she says, Tales from the Underwire. So thank you, Nicole. Um, That was a good story. And thanks to everyone who has sent us their stories. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is where you can send your letters, and you can tweet us at MomStuffPodcast and find us on Facebook as well. And you can check out our Tumblr blog. It's StuffMomNeverToldYou.tumblr.com. And if you'd like to get smarter during the week, you should head over to our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Dear Young Rock,
Stalker Season 2 is a raw, honest, strange, and entertaining story about finding yourself in your early 20s and a lifelong relationship with music. It's hosted by me, Chelsea Erson, and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and iHeartRadio. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you crack open an American history book, it's sure to be filled with founding fathers, bloody wars, and the inventions that brought this country to the industrial age. But there's a whole other world that waits for us in the shadows. Tales of unlikely heroes, world-changing tragedies, and legends that are unique to this country's spirit. So join me, Lauren Vogelbaum, for a tour of American history unlike any other, through a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Menke's Grim and Mild. Get ready for American Shadows. Listen to American Shadows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.